somebody completely called me out of the blue and said, Hey, are you Paul? Yes. Are you the guy with the funny glasses? Yes. Oh, you want to do a deal? And I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah, that, that, somebody remembered me. Somebody I hadn't seen for a few months actually, and they just called me out of the blue hmm. for my first deal. So uh, that right there was a monumental lesson in how standing out and however you want to stand out, whether it's glasses or hair or you know however you dress, uh, it will have dividends beyond measure. You're listening to the Taylor Coup Podcast. Join me as we do a deep dive into my passions and learning lessons in entrepreneurship, real estate, business, sports, art, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the show. And with that being said, welcome to the Taylor K Show. This is where I, this is where I bring on some friends and yeah, I really dive into my passions and uh, learn from experts just within their field. And I have to say, so I've got two very very special guests. They're friends of mine. They're coming from Charleston, South Carolina. Both had a background in. Uh, computer science and software engineering, so tech, but then somehow made their way into real estate investing through various strategies to their portfolios, so private lending, syndications, fix and flips. And so they've been on a tear going to several different meetups, conferences, summits, and even speaking engagements with one of them happening back in November. So we're recording here in December. It actually happened a month ago. And then one of them also has 33 pairs of prescription glasses. And the other is a world-class hula hooper representing the Charleston Flow. And that person's also the director of operations at Rehab Wallet, a private lending service that's funded over $250 million in loans. Uh, that And was actually one of the first three people to get it started. Uh, back in 2019, please give a warm welcome to Paul Santana and Harris Jones. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having work. us, Tyler. We're yeah. Of course, of course. Now, okay, so I, I actually had two questions that I wanted to kick off this conversation. Well, first off, even before I go into those questions, with how you two met, with the fact that you two had a tech background and then somehow made it into real estate. Is that sort of what sparked the chemistry there and and sort of created intrigue between the two of you? A little bit. So we actually met at a real estate mastermind and we were both privately lending our money at the time. I'm director of operations at Rehab Wallet. So that's one of the reasons I was there. But you go around the room and you say, my name is so-and-so. I do, I do this in real estate and I'm this type of person. These are the problems I'm having with my business. So Paul started with, hi, I'm Paul Santana, and my background's in computer engineering, and I'm privately lending my money, and I'm an aim, 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 fire type of person. And then it came to me, and I said, I'm the female version of Paul. And he he was like, what? What, what just happened? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So that's how- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I took note of that, and I was like, okay, I know who I have to talk to after, <laughs> after everything is done here. So... Well, saying that you're the female version of Paul too, that's also a very forward thing to say as well. I'm like, whoa, put it on your radar. And and so did you like when you walked into and you're just looking around and were you just waiting to hear what he would say and try and figure out like, oh, I'm going to say exactly what he's going to say and just switch it around so we can get your attention. I don't know that I intended for it to come off that way. <laughs> it just did. And okay. then he approached me afterward and we talked for a long time and then we saw each other afterward and I'm like, this, this is good. I like this. So it worked out really well, though. That was not my intention. It is. I'm glad it became my intention. 
Nice, mm-hmm. nice. And was it the glasses then too? Oh yeah, the glasses. Wow. We're the we're we're the funky bunch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> although I, I will say it was uh, it was a lot more wild back then. These are tamed down. So, <laughs> Ooh, what was the wild glasses back then? <laughs> oh, it was star shapes and uh, had had some dripping water on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We we talk about that a lot. Actually, is that uh, how? Uh, we talk with other friends of how they met their partner and stuff like that. You know, people are like, oh, I met my partner on Hinge or met my partner at the bar or something like that. And I think the way that we met set up our relationship where it's not not necessarily just about uh, fun times and dopamine chasing. Like we are both trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to learn a real estate mastermind. We're trying to build wealth. We're trying to create uh, better things at Rehab Wallet and our, com- our and our company, and especially computer science. Even uh, having that as a background, so it was kind of a happy accident the the way we met. It just it set some set am- so amazing things uh, both into reading and stuff like that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for a partner, don't go to the bar. Go go, to- go do the thing that you are looking to achieve. Go find people in that arena and you will find your person. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. And how, and how long were you two talking before you were like, you know what? I think we could be really good together and make it official. I don't know. That was probably like a, probably like a month or two, right? When we met and then we didn't start dating for a little while. Yeah. 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 Hmm. A couple it- months probably. A couple months. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And you know what I find really fascinating? Because Paul, I know you've we've we've had several conversations about this. You really try and do something that makes you stand out, right? And even hearing about your story, Harris, like even back then before meeting Paul, it was a little more um, I guess like shy. You were a little bit more meek and um not as out there. But now I see you have like pink hair. Would you and and now trying to speak, would you say that Paul was a big influence into that and just helping you feel, you know, at least ease the more, no, I wouldn't say more confidence, but a little bit easier to go out there and put yourself out there? Absolutely. Uh, when I first met Paul, I was not, I was networking for business. I wasn't mm. networking for myself. And this man, if you, if you want to go out and, and meet people, he's the person to hang out with because he's at an event like every single night. So I practiced talking to people as I went out and I learned over time that the more I stood out and he was teaching me this, the more you stand out, the less you care what people think. So you walk into a room and I have pink and purple hair and he has these glasses that are asymmetrical and maybe 50% of the people in the room are like, I like you. I like your hair and I like your glasses. And maybe 10% of the people just don't care. The rest of them are like, Ooh, I don't know about you. And they Mm. give you this funny look (laughs) and you automatically filter people out. You're like, you're not my person. Let me move on to the next person. And when you hit that rejection, when you see their rejection immediately on their face, you, you care less about what other people think. It's like an elimination of judgment. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and actually this brings me to my next question now directed at Paul. Were you always as outgoing before you got that first deal with your glasses? Because from, and I'm not sure if that was your first deal or not, but I, you know, just hearing your story, you, somebody remembered you for your glasses and you ended up partnering up with them on that deal. Was that that first, was that your first deal that you did a private lender uh, lending I, deal on? What? Yeah. So I, I was going to real estate 
investment groups in Charleston for quite a while, maybe four or six months. And it wasn't until somebody completely called me out of the blue and said, hey, are you Paul? Yes. Are you the guy with the funny glasses? Yes. Oh, you want to do a deal? And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, that, that, somebody remembered me. Somebody I hadn't seen for a few months, actually. And they just called me out of the blue hmm. for my first deal. So uh, that right there was a monumental lesson in how standing out and however you want to stand out, whether it's glasses or hair or, you know, however you dress, uh, it will have dividends beyond measure. And the cool thing is even smaller things like just going to networking events, people will see that you stand out a little bit and they'll just walk up to you and start a couple of conversations. And it's you know fun for that, but it can also be lucrative too, if uh, it leads to business. So. And where did that inspiration start from too? You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny because a few a few years back, what happened is it, it's it's kind of a very small thing. I was I was taking off my shirt one day and my glasses got caught and like they flew out of the room and and hit a wall and broke. And I was like, all right. So I went to my friends. I was like, I already used my insurance this year. What am I going to do? And they're like, oh, check out this website online. You can get prescription glasses. I'm like, really? For for like 10 bucks? And so I was like, well, let me try it out. This this Chinese website, who knows? Uh, if it's garbage, who cares? But then I got them and I was like, oh, yeah, I can see perfectly. And I paid $10 for glasses. So and I was like, well, if it's that inexpensive, why don't I just try some crazy stuff? And uh, one of the things that, uh, that I do is I think uh, I mentioned uh, is I run a group on meetup.com for playing board games every Friday night. And it's a fantastic group. And we can talk a little bit more about that. But uh, after a while, I was like, uh, you know, it's a good group of friends. I was like, let me, let me just try bringing some crazy, you know, crazy glasses that people are going to be like, whoa, what is that? And so I just got progressively crazier showing up every Friday night. My friends loved it. So I was like, I'll just keep going with it. <laughs> wow. And eventually I do, I guess, my thing. So yeah, yeah. And did that, because um, how long, what, what, when you, I remember you were telling me this one time because you started the meetup group for board games to make friends and attract more people around you. Is that really just the intention behind it? And you were just like, I they don't have it now. I'm just going to start it. Oh, yes, absolutely. That was a little bit of my backstory is that this was back in 2020 when the world was shut down and nobody's going out because of COVID. Um, I had recently gone through a job layoff, unfortunately, because my company wasn't doing well, a company that I was working for. And uh, I also split up with a former girlfriend at the time. So it was kind of uh, the perfect storm of all these things happening where a few weeks went by and I was like, oh, I, I haven't seen any other human beings in a while. Like that's, that's probably not great. <laughs> like seeing okay. that kind of realized probably COVID taught that to, to taught that lesson to a lot of people that seeing other human beings is important. So I kind of wanted to go out and, and make friends and, and uh, uh, through going to various other groups, mostly outdoor ones at the time, like kayaking and paddleboarding and cycling, running, that kind of stuff. But then the winter came and all that kind of stuff kind of shut down because it got cold. And then I got the idea to create a board game group. So that's that's how that started. And I, I wanted to you know keep meeting people, having friends, that kind of stuff. So uh, kind of a happy accident born out of necessity. No, that's really cool. That's really cool. And, and I'm assuming, Harris, you've gone to board game nights then. Yes, I have also hosted board game night yeah. before. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Just throw like 
30 or 40 people in your house and throw some board games in the mix. It's, yeah. it's a good time. So yeah. Imagine this room where we're in, but uh, a couple dozen more people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now. I, okay. So one thing that I was always curious about is how, what, what that transition was like into real estate then, because I mean, for, for you, Harris, I'm assuming, I mean, you were in computer science. I don't know the entire story, but I'm assuming it's because of your sister of how you got into real estate because of Kelly Garrett and that's who introduced you? Yes. So I was actually attempting to flip in the upstate. I'm originally from Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm now in Charleston. So I was in the upstate. I had been developing web apps for a company in the upstate for about seven years. And she knew I was trying to flip houses. She reached out to me. She said, I know you're super detail oriented and I know that you're looking to get into this field. We're starting this company called Rehab Wallet. Would you like to come down and work with us and, and build it up from the ground up? And I was like, absolutely. And I can take some of my software background and apply it to this business to make it better. So that's mm. how I went from uh, software engineering over into uh, rehab wallet and real estate. Got it. And Paul, what's really interesting about your stories, your mom was a gold jacket and oh, yeah. you ended up going towards computer science first and then somehow make your way back into real estate. And so I'm curious to know what made you come back to real estate after all of that. It's, it's kind of funny actually, because, uh, I don't know if I ever really shared this anywhere, uh, but uh, I started going to these RIA groups, real estate investment groups in Charleston. Uh, part of the reason, uh, probably a big part, was as this, as I mentioned before, kind of that period of where I'm going to call it crippling loneliness. That's that, that's my story a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I was searching for all these meetup groups and things to do to socialize and make make friends. And part of it was, I saw that there were real estate groups where people were socializing and I was like, Hey, you know what? This might be a good place to meet people. <laughs> mm. So the, the driving force initially was simply just something to do. And uh, I'm glad I did go because I've met so many wonderful people, amazing people and learned a lot of things. And also, yeah, but yeah, it is kind of funny. So one, one thing I will tell if anybody's watching, uh, you don't need to know anything. <laughs> I know I knew nothing. I probably still know very little. Uh, just literally walk through the door. People are friendly. Everybody wants to teach everybody. Everybody wants to share what they're doing. And, uh, you know, there, there, there really is no barrier to entry. So uh, you might learn something, you might make some friends, you might make some money, win-win all around. So that was kind mm -hmm. of my my reason for going initially. And did your other sibling, were any of your other nine siblings into real estate too, or was it was it just uh, like your mom? And no, just my mom and then my dad a little bit uh, mm. back when, back in the day, like a long time ago, they used to go to a lot of real estate groups too, which was kind of funny because gotcha. I started going to a lot of stuff. And then my dad was like, oh yeah, we used to do that too a long time ago. So uh, oh. it's something that, that he never really told me about until I kind of started t talking to him a lot about it. But um, mm. he's, he's an accountant now, so he doesn't really do any real estate stuff. He's tried a little bit of flipping here and there with a little bit of success, but uh, nothing long-term. Mm. Now, ooh, okay. Switching, well, somewhat, I guess somewhat switching gears because I, I wanted, something I wanted to to tackle on is just the term crippling loneliness. And it's almost, it's a very scary 
feeling. And uh, actually, this is where I relate to you, Harris. I, I, we are divorced household buddies. My parents are also divorced as well. Shout out divorced yeah. parents. Um, and <laughs> I, I feel like, a, you know, coming from divorced parents, you're always trying to uh, people please. I mean, there, there's you're always trying to look for that validation. And uh, when it comes to sharing your story, you're all, it, since you're trying to look for that validation, it become it become a very like lonely and scary process to even like put yourself out there. Can you talk through some of the, I guess, process and experience that you've had in terms of like when you first shared your story? Uh, you know, whether that was on another podcast or on stage or even with just like a group of friends and just what that experience was like. And then now to even, you know, speaking, let's say at other events and trying to influence others. Absolutely. I don't recall the first time I ever told my story. I feel like my story is is not necessarily a, a bad story. I started out in a very loving home. I had divorced parents and yes, I very much am a people pleaser. So I think I never really saw an example of a great relationship or loving people in a relationship around me. And I was always trying to accommodate every single person in my life, trying to, trying to earn their approval. Um, and so I, I grew up in a really loving household, but I, I was craving that from somebody mm. So I always was trying to find that in another human being. I, I had a couple of longer relationships that were not very good for me. One of them was was with an addict, and I was always trying to take care of that person. And then another one was trying to always compete with me. So I never really had good examples of relationships uh, besides Kelly Garrett, our managing partner, and, and her partner. So I, I really was craving that. Um, we've actually been reading a book recently called Not Nice, and it it's all about not being the nice person and, and trying to overcome that. It's like this internal desire. It's like your brain is just absolutely wired to people please and crave that. So I, I was trying to do that all the time. And this book has really helped me get through that. So if anybody else is very similar in that way, if you are, I would definitely recommend that book. Uh, I don't, I can't think of the name of the author off the top of my head. It's disease something, but it, the book is called Not Nice. It's it's fantastic. Not Aziz. I'm thinking in, it's definitely not Aziz and no, Aziz Ansari is the the comedian. Yeah, right? yeah. Comedian. yeah. different Aziz. Yeah. Doctor Aziz G something. I forget. Ah, uh, okay. Well, and I think that's what's uh, uh, fascinating about all of this is that, I mean, now you two are coming together and even like starting, you know, your own communities and tr attracting like a different level, uh, well, not a different level of people, but just like attracting people that are like-minded individuals to yourselves. And, you know, it as a organic traffic, people are just sort of gravitating towards y'all. Now, can we speak through some of the communities that you have built and just what that is like, just like starting off from, from, from scratch and uh, what people can expect in your experience. Yeah. You know, the first one was the board game group. The, uh, if anybody is uh, interested in the Charleston Friday night board games group. And that one, I started back in my one bedroom apartment. I just kind of throwing it out there, seeing what would happen. And it was interesting because, you know, the first first event that I had, it was supposed to start at six o'clock and five people signed up. 
and about 6, 10, 6, 15, uh, nobody was there. And I was like, well, uh, you know, I was kind of wondering who, who's going to show up to a single guy's apartment on a Friday night during the middle of COVID to play board games. <laughs> and, you know, 6, uh, 615 rolls around 620 is like, oh, well, there's your answer. Nobody. <laughs> But then after a little while, I think like 625, then finally I hear a knock at the door and uh, it's my good friend, Preston, good friend, Preston, uh, he shows up. And then a little while later, uh, Mickey shows up and a little while later, another person shows up and, and uh, everyone who signed up showed up. And it was, it was a wonderful feeling that people signed up to, to go and they actually, these are real people. And it went well. We played board games that night and said, hey, uh, does anybody want to do this again? They're like, yeah, let's do it again in two weeks. So we joined up again and did it in two weeks and it was, it was a good time. And then uh, we usually each board game is maybe four or five people, something like that. Um, but over time, people started waitlisting, hmm. which was interesting. It's like people are waitlisting to play some board games on a Friday night. It's interesting. So uh, one day Preston had the idea, hey, let's just do a party game night. Just invite everybody. And so we did. And then suddenly in my one bedroom apartment, we had 14 people. Okay. <laughs> hmm. uh, one person, they said, hey, I have a house uh, in West Ashley. Uh, would you like to uh, use my house? And uh, I have a lot of space. And I was like, sure. So we did. And then the group just kind of, it, it, things exploded from there. And it's, I would say th this is something that everybody should experience because you learn a lot of things when you create a group. It's probably similar to creating a business or entrepreneurship, anything like that. It's because all of a sudden people are looking at you as you are now the decision maker. You are steering this ship. Uh, you know, what do we do? What is this group about? Uh, what happens if there's conflict? Learn a lot of things. So, yeah, so that group started and now we've probably had maybe two, 300 people through the group. And usually every- 300 every people through the group? Holy yeah. cow. So, you know, people floating in and out and uh, maybe more than that, but usually we have- uh, on average, 25, 30, 35 people every Friday night. And uh, it's good times, you know, it's, I, I, for me, the thing was I, I wanted to find friends and meet people that was not just about going to the bar and drinking and, you know, dark clubs and stuff like that. I wanted something different where I could actually talk to other human beings and meet and enjoy someone's company without getting drunk. So that was, that was kind of my thing. Mm. I will say that's like really hard to do. Like talking in a bar and trying to have like good conversations. There's something I'm never yeah. really able to do. Uh, you were yeah. about to say something here, so I totally cut you off there. Well, speaking of having conversation at a restaurant or a bar, for example, we actually, we didn't start this group, but we acquired this group. We were regulars to the group. And then the person who ran it, in case you don't know, a meetup group, meetup.com, if you don't want to be the organizer anymore, you can like put it up for bid, I guess, in a way. And people will say, I want to take over this group. And then they take over the group and then somebody oh. else organizes it. So this particular woman, she wanted to move on to something else. And she said, would you be interested in taking over the group? So we did. And it's called Deep Talk. So we basically get together. It's kind of like a mastermind feel. It's everybody gets together. We have non-surface level questions. So mm. for example, a question might be, what is the question that haunts you? Or do you think it's important to be remembered when you die? 
and we just go around the room and we discuss that. It's it's really it's a really good group of people, and we feel like we make deep connections with the people in that group. But that group, we actually moved it into my home, and we now mm. do a potluck because we realized you go to a restaurant and you try to have a meetup group like this, and there's a server who's like, "Hey, can I get your drink?" Or there's loud music going on, or people aren't really willing to be vulnerable because you're around all these strangers and they don't want to talk about things that may have occurred in their past or traumas that they've had. So we ended up moving that one into my home. And that's been one of my favorite groups that we have. We met a lot of good friends through that group. And now we've started uh, Ewoks, like uh, Star Wars Ewoks. And it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's entrepreneurs without kids. So we, yes. So we're looking for other entrepreneurs who are opting maybe not to have kids and instead uh, achieve goals that aren't child or parent related. So we started that group and we've been hosting those events and they're amazing as well. Got a bunch of entrepreneurs together who are looking to achieve some goals and we can collaborate with them. Yeah, that's, I would say the, the salient piece uh, to this whole thing is that it doesn't really matter what you're into, whether it's getting vulnerable at deep talk uh, or bicycling or, uh, you know, maybe making sculptures out of butter, whatever it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You put a group up and then people from all over will be like, hey, I want to make some ice sculptures out of frozen butter or melted butter, whatever it is. Right. And then you find your people and you make deep connections that way. It, it, it is fantastic. It's it's. I almost think of meetup almost like magic. Like it is, it is amazing because people will be drawn to you, whatever you're interested in it, whatever, whatever you're interested in. And it is, it is fantastic. So next on meetup of frozen butter sculpture. Group. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll post that one next. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah. At your house too, because it needs yeah, to be the right exactly. environment. Well, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well and, and that's, what's so amazing about you two. And something that I can tell is just you, you two are very intentional when it comes to everything that you're doing from starting meetups to even having these conversations um, and just getting right to the point of trying to learn uh, more about people outside of just what's on the surface. Now, when you go to all of these different events and let's say they aren't your meetup groups, um, it, well, mm, actually, I don't even know how I'm going to ask this question because I'm sure the question, the, the answer changes depending on which event you're going to, because I was going to ask if there is a particular question that you ask when you're first meeting somebody, but I can also see that as like a, a case by case basis, depending on your audience. Well, very much so. Uh, like she mentioned, we go to networking events uh, at least one, sometimes two a day after work. <laughs> two a day? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes oh we go for one. Gosh. Yeah. So, we went we went to seven in one weekend recently. So yeah, we had seven events. Uh some friend stuff, some some networking, but yeah, it was just we, we try to stay busy, uh, meeting oh a lot gosh. of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh especially with a group like Deep Talk, where the purpose is to have a question that is that allows people to share something deep, vulnerable, tell a story. You have to think of what kind of questions will foster that kind of discussion. Uh, so we definitely have questions that we ask people when we go to networking events and conferences as well. Uh, one of my favorites that I like asking some some people uh, because you, you get a wide variety wide variety of answers is I ask people in the next twelve months what is what is something you are looking to accomplish and that question tells you 
quite a lot about what a person is doing. So at a recent networking event, I met somebody who his answer to this question was, oh, my wife is in uh, going through law school right now. So hopefully she'll graduate in the next six or seven months and then she'll uh, become a lawyer and start doing that stuff. But I'm also an insurance agent. And one of my big goals is I want to get 20 whole life insurance premiums. Uh, right now, I'm, I think he said it was like a 13 or something like that. So I want to hit 20 and that'll be a good, good point for me. So that's what I want to do. Uh, so you get questions like that. And then sometimes I'll ask people that question and they'll be like, I want to get a dog. And then I'm like, okay. All right. I mean, <laughs> if that's, that's your answer. Okay. <laughs> so you, you kind of, first will tell you exactly what they're, what, what is important to them or what they're trying to achieve, you know, based on that, that answer, the answer to that question. So I kind of, I kind of, uh, I think it's funny sometimes the way people answer, but that's, that's kind of the whole point. People will tell you what's important to them. And then you will be able to easily decide whether you resonate or not. We can gauge their and in, how intentional they are based on that, the answer that they give to that question. But if you want to keep it a little bit lighter, or if you want to ask a question like that and you feel like maybe they're not ready to share something, we've learned uh, from the book Influence that you have to share first. So if you ask somebody a question that's a little bit more detailed or a little bit more deep, then share whatever your answer is first, and then maybe they'll be more willing to share. Uh, I, one of the lighter questions that I like to ask is, tell me something that's not on your resume. Because people go to networking events and they're like, what do you do? And who do you work for? And it's it's all the same questions. But you yeah. walk up to somebody and you say, tell me something not on your resume. A, they're not expecting it. And, and B, you can learn something about them that's not work related. And it sparks up a fun, more fun conversation. Uh, but yeah, we, we yeah. enjoy we enjoy testing questions. So ask us, ask us in six months and we might have different sets of questions to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to add a little piece onto that. Uh, we started reading the book Influence because of Dr. Robert Cialdini. He was at MFA Uncon, where we met. Yep. So uh, I think we, be, we both really liked his keynote speech and hearing what he's all about. And then we we're like, oh, let's check out the book. And so that was, that was a fantastic thing. Ooh, um, I'm going to test you right here. Uh oh, uh oh! I don't know all the seven. Do you still have it? Do you still have it? Do you still have the card that they gave you? Yes, I do. I don't have it at my computer. I'm not a ninja, but but I do have it. It's in my wallet. I had it. Unfortunately, it was in my in my jeans when I went through the wash. So I was like, dang it. Yeah, but yeah, she still has hers, which is great. He's super intentional about everything else, but yeah, digging laundry. through his pockets before he puts it in the laundry, yeah. not so much. Uh, <laughs> so that one where where she was mentioning is, I think it's the law of reciprocity. Yep. So if you ask someone, hey, tell me a uh, deep, difficult time in, in your life, people are going to be like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> but if you share first, then they'll, they'll feel that they want to reciprocate. We, so. We've also noticed... If you go into a room and somebody is like in the middle of the room, they're talking to somebody, you can see on their face, they're, they're full of energy and they love socializing. You can ask them any question, any question, they'll answer it. If you walk up to a person in the corner of the room who's not really social, probably don't ask them a more intimate question because they're, they're probably not going to want to answer that. You I have to, to learn them up, uh... the hard way. <laughs> yeah. 
that one's pretty self-explanatory, but I learned that the hard way. Um, yeah. I ask people interview questions and they're like, this is too uh, much. Uh, for uh, me. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also know that at least in my experience too, when it comes to networking and just like asking people questions, if you ask with an intention and really just trying to get to know them and not like, because people can sense when they feel like they're about to get pitched and they immediately shut off. But like, if you're genuinely curious and you ask more questions, like they'll ask questions back, like back to your whole point of the, the rule, rule of reciprocity. But you know what I am curious about? And I wish y'all recorded this, but with all these questions that are being asked and you two being very intentional, people would have loved to be a fly on the wall for your first date and hearing about those questions <laughs> once <laughs> and how deep y'all got into those conversations there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what? it's hard to say what our first date was. <laughs> uh, so like we met at that real estate mastermind. And it was very clear. She mentioned that she was trying to uh, build the software at Rehab Wallet. And, you know, with our computer science background, both of us, we were kind of got talking about that a little bit. And so uh, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. So I, I kind of just said, hey, uh, I'm for my company. What I'm doing is I'm using the Microsoft Power Platform, Power Apps, Power Automate, Power BI. Um it might help you at your company, maybe not, but I'd be happy to share it. So we 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 met at Starbucks for uh, a first meeting, just us two, and uh, I showed her power apps. And uh, he was, he was like, "Let me show you my skills. Let oh. me show you my." Skills. I'm like, "Okay, nice, <laughs> yeah, that was high." Pick up on new work. There you go. <laughs> you know. So the you said wait is it Microsoft you mentioned? Okay, yeah. now yeah. that's kind of curious too because if one of and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe one of your role models was Steve Jobs, right? And oh yeah. And one of your core values was what it was the 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 idea that most of the things that happen in your everyday in your everyday life are built by people no smarter than you. Now. Did that also influence you to get into software engineering too? Probably this mindset came afterwards, but it is, I do think about this a little bit that, uh, so if you're referring to one of my favorite clips that I, I've watched this video hundreds of times, it's like two minutes, a Steve Jobs interview where he's saying that a lot of times uh, you can literally do something. He calls it poking the world. And the world will change and modify itself in ways that it, it's kind of mind blowing. Kind of like talking about meetup, actually. You know, uh, you 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 set this intention out there. You create a group. People come. People become friends. People become boyfriend girlfriend. Maybe lifelong friends for or for years or decades. And uh, it's interesting to just say, hey, you just take a step back and say, hey, I created that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I do think about the in terms of computer science, like that is also very much a thing of like you you're typing this code and you are creating uh various things that will help people so for example uh at, at rehab wallet it's uh you know it's a young company just a few years old and business is very good which uh has the opposite problem of of uh not enough people and too much work to do which is the good problem but uh, so then you have to think okay well i can automate some of this stuff and boom, I just saved this person uh, 37 hours a month. 
just like that. And it's, it's kind of that same idea of like you poke the world, you create the software. Now you've, you've done something that will, has a very real impact on people. So they say that software is like magic to those who don't know how to make it. <laughs> so, yeah. We are, we are magicians. Yes. You two are magicians. Heck yeah. And, and Harris, do you have a specific role model that you really look up to that you, that you've been modeling a lot of like your core values on? Mm, that is a really great question. Oh, we... stumped you. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So we've been talking about that lately. Paul was like, who, who is your person? Like, who do you look up to? The same, same question you're asking me. I was like, let, let me think about that. I, I have a lot of people that I like to follow, but I don't know that I have somebody specifically that I look up to. Hmm. I will say Tom you is probably one of my favorites. Uh, I do enjoy impact theory and what he does now is kind of what I'm looking to get into, which is why we're on your podcast. We we're practicing right now what I ultimately want to do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's funny because we ultimately decided that I don't have an idol. I have a song. I am <laughs> a song. I am a very music oriented person. Yeah. So if you want to pump me up, you, you don't put on like Esther Perel or Tony Robbins or somebody like that. You, you put on like some rap music or okay. some, some <laughs> funk music and I'll be, I'll be jamming. That's can, my, that's my pump up. Can we mention the song? Please. You have to mention the song now, please, please, yeah. please. And you, you'll know the one. Which song? All right. Uh, you, you, have, you, have you seen the movie eight mile? <laughs> is it lose yourself yeah. Eminem? that's yeah. a great song though mom spaghetti mom spaghetti mom spaghetti yep yeah mom spaghetti <laughs> no, just, not that version not that version. The, the real version the real version oh hell yeah i mean that's a but that's like such a classic like motivational song to really just like get you going um even just like his story okay got it well and and you know now that you mentioned that and i'm now curious to, and you both can answer this uh, 12 months from now, what are you looking to accomplish now? Switching that yeah. question back on, back on y'all. Yeah. Good question. Uh, for me, and this is, we, we've kind of talked about this on and off here and there. We're, we're creating these groups on meetup, mostly social groups, uh, you know, board games, deep talk, and then lately, uh, entrepreneurship. And we're kind of wondering like, Hey, maybe we can actually, make this into even more intentional um, and perhaps even educational. This kind of goes into a little bit of speaking, her uh, goal for speaking as well, uh, with how can we share the knowledge that we have in real estate, investing, um, maybe even computer science, share that with other people and help other people. Uh, so we want to start creating events. We're not exactly sure yet, maybe like one day seminars or something like that where, hey, these are, this is what a syndication is. Have you heard about this great company, Passive Investing? They have these, these uh, uh, amazing syndications where you, this is how much money you can make and, and this is the, uh, the types of investments it's in, that kind of stuff. And the most uh, handsome IR person ever. Exactly, right? <laughs> yes. So uh, I'll plug this book again. I showed a little bit, a little bit ago. We're talking about Raise Masters. It's by Hunter Thompson. He's putting on that. that. Uh, that conference. So that is some something that I, I've had this in the back of my mind where I'm interested in capital raising. I, 
I think it plays to my strengths and socializing and stuff. And I think I, I think I want to get into that more and more. So it'll start with, I want to have an event. We, we want to throw an event where we maybe introduce people to the different types of ways you can make money, some educational. And if people want to invest with us, like, I guess they can, I don't have any platform to do it yet. So uh, talking about pitching, I'm not, I'm not selling anybody anything uh, because I don't have anything to sell, but uh, maybe in the future. So that's something that is on my radar. 12 months from now. Yes. For me, I am currently looking to become somebody who can publicly speak in front of others and make money doing that. So mm-hmm. I have been practicing a lot this year. I used to be the person at the mastermind who would hide behind any object or person I could find so that nobody called on me. I was I was that terrified to speak in public. So through this entire year, I have been going to Toastmasters. We're both officers at our local Toastmasters club. I have been hosting events in my own home, like we mentioned earlier. I have been hosting a women's real estate group here locally in Charleston. So I am really looking to start my own podcast and start my own channel so that one of my goals for next year is to get on podcast and become a guest just so I can see the cadence and see how it functions, but mm-hmm. also so I can practice. I can see how awesome Taylor is at everything he does and then yeah. replicate that on my end when I have guests. <laughs> um, but ultimately starting that podcast, I'm, I'm getting all my podcast equipment or, or starting that up, organizing everything. And my ultimate goal is to be a paid public speaker and to also propagate what I'm learning from my guests to other people. So I mentioned Tom Bilyeu earlier in Impact Theory. That is what I want to do. I've been going to conferences lately. And as we go to conferences, it's it's funny. I've noticed this trend. It's like all these leaders of these conferences will put up a picture of them as a child. And I'm like... Hmm. That person was this tiny little child at one point in their life. Mm -hmm. And as he mentioned with Steve Jobs earlier, they're no better or no different than I am. So why can't I be Tom Bilyeu? Why can't I be a public speaker, even though I used to hide from people? I can do that if I focus on it. So that is my goal over the next 12 months. Get all of that set up and propel myself into the future for that. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I mean, it's it's so amazing to see just the momentum that y'all have been getting into and even moving into 2024, or even into 2025, because I mean, the skill sets that y'all are building, the community and network that y'all are building, uh, it's going to compound even further down the line. And it's just going to hockey stick up at just some point. And so I'm really excited just to see what y'all and you know what you guys accomplish and even further past 2024. And if people want to get in touch with you and want to learn more about you and have conversations, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Mine is, uh, uh, it's just my name, pauldavidsantana.com. And that's pauldavidsantana.com. He's fancy and has a website. You can find me on social at the hoop investor. So I hula hoop. So my, my, my handle is, yeah, my handle is T H E the hoop investor. You can find me pretty much anywhere with that handle. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Sorry. One last thing. One last thing. Yeah. Um, 
one last thing before we close off the show. And and this is just going to apply some more pressure to, to Paul. When is the Regina George Santana Breast Cancer Research Ooh. Foundation starting out? Oh, that's a, that is a, that's a big one. A uh, little bit more backstory on that. That is um, the driving force for my life. Um, uh, my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was four years old. And ever since then, I've had this goal that by the end of my life, I would like to help significantly with that, uh, creating a, a foundation in her name, the Regina Jorge Santana Breast Cancer Research Foundation. We kind of talk about this sometimes is that uh, I, I, I'm very intentional in that I know where I want to go, and I, but I often don't know what the steps are in between. So like showing up to real estate events and figuring out how am I going to do anything with real estate? I don't know, but the first step is showing up. And then we'll tackle it from there. So lately, it's kind of interesting that the way the the way the universe works, uh, sometimes you go to networking events and you kind of tell people, this is what I'm looking to achieve. And then I think last month or the month before, somebody just mentioned, oh, uh, have you ever read the book? Uh, it was like, where the what, what would the Rock- Rockefellers do? What, what would the Rockefellers do? <laughs> Apparently, they did something very similar where they set up a foundation through life insurance uh, so that hmm. they could do very big, good things for decades, if not hundreds of years to come. Uh, so I heard that I was like, oh, okay, well, now I know the next step is read that book, see what it says, and uh, maybe take it from there. The other thing I, I do have in the back of my mind is I know, uh, similarly, Tim, Tony Robbins re- wrote a book recently called Life Force. And I think that book has some information also about how he set up a, a foundation to do philanthropic things. So kind of getting the pieces there. When I'm going to start this, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I guess hopefully I have many decades to figure out uh, where, how things are going to go. But, um, you know, depending on, on medical advancements, maybe I have another 150 years to go. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will, Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll add an additional point to that too. The fact that Paul is sitting here speaking his truth and what he wants to do and telling people that's what he wants. If I had to, If I had to tell anybody who's watching this, if you don't speak what you're wanting and tell other people, you will never get it. So if you're thinking in your head, nobody can read your mind. You have to be able to come on, be a guest, come on a podcast like this, tell people what you want and put a beacon out for people to come to you and help you with that. You just have to ask for help and it will come. Yeah. And people, even if you don't ask for help, just speaking it, because I mean, hopefully good human beings around just want to help. So if you just say, this is what I want to do, people will say, Oh, I can introduce you to my good friend and they know all this kind of stuff. So I love it. I love it. I love it. And I also think, and this is, this is just my idea. I think it'd be really cool if let's say even hosted an event and even if it's just like the first event for, um, for your mom's foundation at Disney world. Like, you know, just even just like a little get together at Disney World, and I think it would just come like full circle. Um, so, can't wait for that to happen. Manifesting that that happens because I think that'd be really cool, and then also supporting the foundation too when it does uh, come to fruition. So, thank you both, Paul and Harris, for coming on to the show. I can't wait for the action items episode that's going to be coming out here in a few days, uh, and I'll see you all next time. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Taylor Coop Podcast. If you gain any value out of this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you share this with your friends. Hopefully they can get the same value as well as you did. And also leave a comment or review on whatever podcasting platform that you're listening on. I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you at the next episode.